Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Good morning and welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast with Biggs and Lens. I was James Biggs. With me, of course, the co-host, the pride of Florida State and much of Pennsylvania and just a little part of Florida, Stephanie Lens. Good morning, Stephanie. How are you? I'm well. I don't know how much of Florida will lay claim to me, but... <laughs> we'll go uh, Pensacola to Plant City. That works. That's a- that works perfectly. One of the things we got to talk about is before we, because we'll jump around today, but uh, Ed Asner, famed actor, passed away yesterday at the age of 91. He was an activist. I didn't, there's pictures of Ed in Cesar Chavez in the 70s. What are your memories of Ed Asner? Well, I, I did know that he was um, a big um, activist, especially when it came to anything union related whether it's um, like the Actors Union or, you know, UFW or something like that. He was out and proud about union activism. So, um, yeah, I didn't know that about him, but he had continued it until, you know, like just very recently. I know not too long ago he continued to tweet and raise awareness about um, different labor issues. And you've got to admire somebody who's on a big TV show he was on Lou Grant at the time and, you know, the star of his own show. And basically it was a top-rated show and they canceled it. And he's like, yeah, I think they canceled it because of my activism, but I'm not going to stop being an activist. And that takes a lot of um, fortitude to be able to say, yeah, I'm giving up my livelihood in order to support this cause because my face is a face that's known I can help. Um, so that's, you know, really something to be admired. It's quite a life lived. Um, I was not a big uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Lou Grant watcher. Just it was, I was a little kid, and it was kind of above my interest. But um, you know, I like his Santa Claus in Elf quite a lot. I didn't like it so much the first time I saw Elf. I was just like, he's a little bit gruff. And then I realized he has a surface gruffness, and underneath he's very warm and soft. And I feel like that's kind of how Ed Asner was, you know, he he would have like a front or a certain appearance that people would judge, and then he would be like, 
you know, yeah, I'm I'm soft, I'm I'm compassionate and everything underneath that I need to be. So that's kind of what I got out of that. And you could say that it's the same thing in Up. There he was doing some groundbreaking voice work later in his career. So it's he's an actor who worked and kept on working all the way up to the very end. I know they did a table read of something um, during COVID that he was involved in, or he um, he might have helped fund. I think he did some autism activism um, or had something. I might have him confused with somebody else. But um, from the point of view of people with autism, like it wasn't through Autism Speaks, it was something else. I think he might have had an, uh, a charity of his own. Um, but that's kind of what I think of him. I think of him as just kind of an all-around guy who is good at his job and then used his power for the better. Do you have some Ed Asner memories being a child of the 70s? That you- being a child of the 70s, <laughs> I just remember like just his gruffness and bluegrass. Ed Asner is in, was in that A. Vagoda class of Yes. They were older forever, and they did yeah. so much. Like, Ed, you mentioned the autism thing. He, uh, mm-hmm. His son created Autfest as a film festival. Yes. And his son and grandson both are on the spectrum. And his, grandson, his grandson's name is Will. And he had to try to, you know, like Ed was old school and trying to figure out how to reach his his grandson, try to reach and to be able to understand. And he said himself that more than three and a half million Americans live there on the spectrum. I hate the way this article in the Tennessee is written because it's live with an live with an autism spectrum disorder that bothers the shit out of me, but. That's not that that is that is not why we're talking right now. It's just it's more of Ed Ed cared enough and believe it or not, like a lot of parents of children on the spectrum will only surface surfacely delve into what the spectrum is because their kid has it. And they won't see that other kids have it too. Yeah. And Ed cared. Ed cared enough to look out for those who are I want to say, see, this is the hard part. As a parent of an autistic child, would I say that they're in a marginalized community? Mm -hmm. See, for me, it's like they've been marginalized by people trying to profit off of being on the spectrum Mm -hmm. via puzzle piece. And I think too many people have and tried to make them sympathetic instead of make them what they are, which is human. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I think that there's a, a part of the marginalized community tend to be because it's ignorance and I try to get the ignorance, try to erase the ignorance. Speaking of Ed and Ed, Ed from what people said, he had a really strong sense of humor and he had a strong laugh and, for Mr. Adler, we will laugh about this part. So there was a picture posted about the storm Ida, Hurricane Ida, which is destroying Louisiana, which is not funny. The funny part comes where people were in a grocery store and they they took a picture of a case upon case of Dasani water that no one bought. 
in a hurricane. I mean, it's that funny penny that I love. Mm -hmm. Do you think that at this point, does anybody ever drink Dasani water anymore? I can tell you one place they drink Dasani, and that's um, Disney. Because Disney has a thing with Coke. Dasani comes through Coke. So if you want a bottle of water at Disney World, it has to be Dasani. It's that or you keep an empty bottle with you and you fill up on Florida tap water at Water Fountain. So literally, the choice between Dysani and Florida tap water, I'd go with the Florida tap water. I grew up on it. But my husband and kids, I don't know what they would do. I'm sure they'd just go with like a Powerade or something. But I have a feeling that in places where you can only get Coke and you want water, that's where the Dysani is coming from. I, I go into Sheets, our our great convenience store chain centered out of where I live. And they have, they have like, you know where the water is at convenience stores? They've got door after door after door of water. And the Dysani never moves. I've never seen anyone walking out with a bottle of Dysani. Other waters, sure, even Aquafina, they walk out with, but they don't do Dysani. I, I love this picture of the Dysani on the shelf. It cracks me up. What do they sell out of when there's a big snowstorm coming in your area? And what is left on the shelf? Actually, Dasani is left. Um, <laughs> Dasani is left. Uh, oh. I can tell you what goes first here is the Tasty Cakes. Oh, what goes first here? Like Oreos and Twinkies. Yeah, Exactly. Yep, the Tasty Cakes, they're kind of local, so they'll go first. And, and then, like, the, the Hostess and the national brands and stuff, they're last, but they'll eventually sell out on the shelf. But if you go the night before a snowstorm to your local Giant Eagle, it's the snacks that are gone. <laughs> Here, I was going to the Festival Foods supermarket, and because I was stocking up a couple of years ago, and we were expecting about 15 inches of snow. And this lady had a cart full beer, wine, scotch. Like her whole cart was full of liquor. Yeah. And I'm like, That's a party. oh, like she and she wasn't as she wasn't as big as a hiccup. And it she had that determination. Nope, I'm gonna go get my drink. People in Wisconsin, if there's ever an alcohol shortage. Wisconsin will probably be the first state to, to secede from the union. In my whole life, being here 17, I've never seen some people drink so much, so, so much goddamn liquor. Like hard, like just drink hard. And it ages out. There's a lady at the gas station. She she asked the guy if she needed to be carded. He's like, no, why would you? He, he said to her, no. He's like, what? 34, 35, 20. Ooh. Ooh. Like, oh, it was uncomfortable. I had to turn away. But mm-hmm. speaking of uncomfortable, turn away. <sighs> Alyssa Milano and her white feminism. She at first was a Warrenista. Now she's praising President Biden. As someone who is white, but not a feminist, who is not a white feminist, how do you deal with, like, members of your own group that is act like this? 
Well, for starters, you sent me the Alyssa Milano tweet, and I had to unmute it to be able to see it because I have her muted. I don't have her blocked. But I just, it was just so much performative bullshit that it was like, I can't have her constantly popping up in my timeline because someone I do like liked one of her tweets or retweets one of her tweets. It's just nonsense. And she goes back and forth all the time about what, where she is on the political spectrum. And she kind of goes where the wind blows. And it's like, can you just stop? And it's like, just because she was on a TV show in the 80s and, and a TV show in the 90s, I guess I didn't watch Charmed, but um, you know, we're supposed to pay attention to her. What kind of expertise does she have? It's just more of that celebrity nonsense. And i got to tell you, white women are exhausting, myself included. <laughs> I don't know. The centering that happens all the time, and I know I'm guilty of it as well, but it's just it's just exhausting. Like a thing here about the hurricane. She's nowhere near there. She has nothing to do with it. And she's telling Louisianans to stay safe. It's like, you know, for the time it took you to send that tweet, did you also take that amount of time and drop a donation to, you know, like the, oh, what is the group, the food group, the Cajun Navy, that is going in and, and doing something there? Did you do something? Or are you talking? And just the talking, I, I just, it's too early on a Monday for for this. It's way too early on Monday. And it's the white feminism I just, I can't stand because it's a centering where there are members of the LGBTQ plus community suffering, members of the black community, members of the Asian community, members of the Latino community suffering. We don't need Holly Hobby over here making it about her, like trying to say, hey, I care about you. No, we no. No. And I'm sure you've seen it in life and we are cut from the same cloth where we don't have tolerance for bullshit and we keep our friend circles rather small. How have you in your life just sat there and dealt with they look at somebody like, you know what, shut up, shut up, shut up? Oh, many times. And I manage to keep it inside for the most part. Sometimes I cannot hold my tongue and and something will come out, but not too frequently does someone push me to the point of saying, oh, my God, would you just stop? <laughs> but um, I, I can't say it hasn't happened. And that's generally who it happens with. I don't find myself really telling guys to to do that. They don't get me to that point. You know, if it's an irritating dude, I can just be like, okay, and just ignore him. But, like, I see these videos of women having tantrums in a Victoria's Secret or a bed, you know, Bath and Body Works or something, and I'm just like, how does someone just not stand up and say, will you stop? Just stop, lady. I, and people just stand around and stare at it. I don't know if we're just so, you know, used to it or we expect it or what it is, but I'm just, you know, waiting for one of these times where you can just be like, oh, lady, come on, put a cork in it. It's tiresome. <laughs> don't say it to me someday. Nah. Let me... There have you, like... Times. Have you tried to almost like stop yourself from like cussing somebody out? Like say, hey, look, you, you need to shut. Like just, you could feel it, and like the husband or the kids, like, no, no, we, we need to go, mom. We need to kind of go do something else before you, before you catch a case, and you be podcasting from jail. <laughs> yeah, one time um, it was New Year's Eve. We had just my hus- it was just my husband and me at that time, and we had just come back on a long drive. We'd been 
back here visiting his parents. I don't know, remember why, probably Christmas thing. And we came back through a snowstorm to Erie, where we lived at the time. We were stopping at Wegmans to get our tasty cakes. And the we were at the um, the, the super line, the, the 10 items or less line, and the, she was so mad at everything everyone did, and she was scanning stuff, and I hadn't even said anything. And she looks up at me, and she goes, what is your problem? And I said, you're being a bitch. That's my problem. And I just felt my husband's hand on my arm. <laughs> that was really all that it took was just this, because he never, he, like, he'll, he'll the type that he'll just stand back and watch the fireworks if it comes to that. But that one time, I'll never forget, was New Year's Eve, 99 or 2000, one of those. And I just felt his hand on my arm like, enough, don't, don't do this here. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's one example where I was just like, I, I cannot hold it in. I've done nothing, and I'm just in her path. And it was just wild. Of course, then, you know, back in those days, there was no kind of really email or social media or anything, so I had to write a letter to Wegmans and be like, you know, this is what happened to me. And, <laughs> you know, just can you just get her to chill out a little bit? <laughs> so that's and, – and that's one of those things, too, is people are always kind of – if they have a bad experience or something, they're like, I want that person fired. Well, a bad day doesn't make a firing offense. You know, if somebody's, you know, nasty to you when they're scanning your groceries, who knows what the person before you exactly. said to them or did. So it's just, I think just tempering yourself and your responses to things can be helpful. Like, you know, in the car, somebody passes you, are you going to floor it or are you going to fall back a little bit and be like, well, I don't want to be anywhere around that crazy person. So... You know, we can't handle, we can't control what other people do, but we can do our best to control our responses to it. And I think that's kind of where it sits. Now, when we come back from break, as always, we have so much more to talk about. You are listening to the Black City Podcast with Biggs and Lens on the Four Press Coverage Radio Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We are back with the Black Tuesday Podcast. Terrence Biggs, Stephanie Lentz. Stephanie, to the issue of <sighs> more fuckery, because this is, we apparently are from the board, you know, from the Bureau of Fuckery. But so you're a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a baseball fan. You like the Pirates? I'm a fan of the, the Mets, the grief inducing tear bringers out of the Mets. So they they made a trade for Javier Baez, shortstop, second baseman, El Mago, the magician. You've seen him play. He, he does play with a certain flair. So the Mets were in first place. And over the last couple of weeks, they have went from first place to, I can't even, how do I, how do I explain this to you? They went from first place to third place. They were five games ahead. Now they're seven and a half games behind. Oh, yikes. Circling the drain. So the Mets started the winning this weekend, and what happened, the fans would get on the players. So what the players did was start winning, they would give them a thumbs down. That's it. No finger, just a thumbs down. And so Sandy Olsen, team president came up with a long press, like a long press statement saying how that was not tolerated and it's not a part of what they do. Literally, his players gave the fans a thumbs down. That's it. Are fans becoming too sensitive or are teams becoming way too reactionary? Um, I thought that it was, and you're in a good position to speak to this, I thought there was kind of a thing in sports where you, part of your discipline was being able to tune out the fans when they were a detriment to you and tuning them in when you needed that support. Um, You know, like when somebody goes up to bat in a baseball game, if fans are booing him because he's from the other team, you just kind of tune that out and go on with what you need to do. But say you're trying to rally your home crowd and people start to cheer, you kind of take that in and use that. Um, That's the way I thought that most Sports, you know, most athletes were, but um, this thing of interacting negatively with the fans, I don't see what what the end game is. I don't understand the point. And it's not just him; it's Lindor and Pilar also doing this. And um, and then another guy, uh, Villar, it says he was giving them thumbs up. So if they pulled this in Pittsburgh, 
or imagine this like in Philly or someplace like that. I don't um, know what would happen. It's just insanity. You're what? I mean, are you trying to rile up the people who are already, you know, before, it's not the seventh inning stretch yet, and they're ordering another beer, and you want to boo them and give them thumbs down? They paid money for that seat that's paying your salary, dude. So you know, if if you don't like the criticism, maybe be in a, a in a profession that doesn't require you to have to be put up for criticism, you know? What do you think is the point of it? Are they just trying to say we don't like your lack of support, or is there a greater message here? I think it's what you just hit on. They don't like the the lack of support, and I think that there's wrong involved. They should just ignore the fans. I think the organization should have just ignored ignored everything that happened. Fans, as you know, because you've been in the crowds, you, some fans can be assholes. I'll give you an example. 1988, the Arizona Wildcats were playing the Arizona State Sun Devils. Arizona Wildcats had a guard named Steve Kerr, who went on to become the coach of the Warriors, became famous, went the Bulls, famous basketball player. Anyway, a year before, Steve Kerr's dad was the president of the American University in Beirut, Lebanon. He was assassinated by a terrorist group. Mm-hmm. The Arizona State crowd were chanting PLO every time that Steve Kerr touched the ball. This is where the line should always be. You can boo. You can say you suck and leave it at that. Once you go somebody, because there are also people, I've actually heard there was a player who had lost his daughter because his his wife uh, gave birth to a stillborn child and they were asking him how his kid was. Hmm. And it's it's far. It's too far. Like, you can say you suck, you can say you missed, some, some, something, keep it sport-related. I think this should be a code of conduct for both players and fans to kind of not be assholes. And it is... It is wild. It is... It's too much. It's... I just... It's uncomfortable. Now, speaking of, we go from uncomfortable to the wild uh, and the just annoying. Chuck Todd, you are a veteran. You have you have veteran writer. I am not as veteran. I'm not playing aging. You've just been writing a lot longer. Not as not age. You just you have more writing experience. <laughs> Don't hurt me. So it's more of being in media. We're both in media. Why is Chuck Todd a thing still? I do not understand it. There are so many people out there far more qualified to run Meet the Press than he is. I mean, look at the credentials of similar talk show or of similar press show hosts. You know, like they have, um, oh, what is the one on CBS? And, like, she's got years of reporting and she's got the degree and she's got this and she's got that. And... Then you're putting it up against Meet the Press. I I honestly don't know why people watch Meet the Press. It, there doesn't seem to be anything of value coming out of it. It used to be that you could put on the Sunday morning shows, and maybe like you weren't paying attention that week to politics, and you just wanted to kind of a little catch up. And you could get some catch up, and you could get some differing points of view. But it just seems today, especially with Meet the Press, that it's just a sounding board for 
a token person on the left, a token person on the right. They don't have any real discourse. They don't have anything where they can kind of come to some kind of middle ground on anything. It's just a platform for them to stand on, put their sound bites out, and walk away. And he does nothing to wrangle it or to move the discussion anyway. He doesn't have any nuance. I mean, you just say the name Chuck Todd, and I just start to laugh. I, I certainly can't take him seriously. I, I don't even know the last time I watched the Sunday morning show because it just irritates me, and I gain nothing from it other than, like, an acute case of angina. Chuck Todd is just, he has also gotten said that Hillary Clinton was overprepared, which is supposed yeah. to be a, some sort of, like, flaw. Fuck yourself, Chuck. No. First of all, struggle bangs. He, he, just his demeanor and just, I'm going to play both sides of the fence for ratings. Chuck, first of all, no one watches your show because it sucks. Two, you're supposed to be a journalist and you can't interview anybody. Three, didn't his wife work for Bernie Sanders? I do think that I heard that. So he's already like either compromised or he needs to disclose that modern news like, I kind of miss Diane Sawyer. I kind of miss Dan Rather. I miss Walter, Con- Walter Cronkite. I miss people like that because they came out. You know what? This is the news. I know that some of these are opinion shows, but Chuck is really bad at his job. And yeah. it is that white maleness that keeps him employed. And it, I just... I don't understand. He must know someone or have something on somebody kind of thing. I just don't get it. I do watch CBS Sunday Morning, which is not like a political news show. It's just like um, human stories kind of thing. They have some good stuff on there, and they have um, something about art all the time, and they have something about nature all the time, and there's not um, – there's like you know a good 10- or 15-minute piece on some interesting thing that you've never heard of. So – I might not watch it. We do record them every week. My husband set the DVR for that. But you can watch their stuff on YouTube. They have a very good YouTube channel with the CBS Sunday morning content. So, you know, if you're looking for something on a Sunday morning and you don't want political nonsense, it's not bad. And Jane Pauley hosts that. Jane Pauley. I'm going to ask you who the host, because I, cause I haven't watched it since Charles Carroll. Yeah. Um, Charles was cool. Chuck had the old uh, RV, and you, you can tell Chuck would stop by for some cigarettes and like a like a sub sandwiches and beer. He just had that that look to him, like, "Yep, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, shoot this stand up and go have like a Newport and probably some Natty Light afterward." <laughs> now, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, he is becoming more. His his he decided to look deeper into the San Diego Police Department and as far as their military weapons use and equipment. Next month, he's going to reveal a new policy. Do you think that this this will catch on as far as different mayors around the state? state? I definitely think it will catch on in California and the bluer states because they know that they've got um, the, the support somewhere around them. Um, but here, like my local police departments or even, you know, like the closest cities to me really, um, if they could get their hands on some of this stuff, they'd love it. They'd absolutely love it. And it would be on the news that they got, you know, a car that's half a tank or 
something like that. They would absolutely love it. They love the militarization of police in, in my experience, in the redder parts of the country. So if we can normalize the non-militarization of police, it's promising. But I don't think it'll happen quickly, and I don't think it'll happen soon. But I do think it can happen in places like San Diego. What do you think? It needs to happen because I don't understand why cities have tanks. Mm-hmm. You, you don't need a tank rolling through. I live in Chevrolet, Wisconsin. The SWAT team here is armed to the gills. There's a city of 50,000 people. They probably do, what, one murder every, what, two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. And they are armed. Who's coming to take over Sheboygan? And if and if they could, can they possibly, I don't know, bring quality Italian food as far as, like, another restaurant? Because we have one. But it just, it's just weird to me. And it's something that definitely needs to be addressed because I think that the weapons, they, they get police that false sense of, I can go do what I want. And it should never be that. It should be a last resort. That's where I think that there's a failing to it. Now, so apparently, I need to get this name right. Kumail Najani and Aquafina, they have entered the Marvel Universe. Kumail is in the Eternals, Aquafina is in Shang-Chi. And I think it's good to see rep- more representation of various communities in Marvel. And I think that that's not that DC sort of fails at that, where Marvel embraces it. Do you think that at this point DC is just trying to throw whatever at the wall and see, and see what sticks? I think DC has a plan. And... Um... I think part of their plan was revealed when they hired James Gunn to pretty much remake Suicide Squad. They wanted that Marvel uh, kind of casting. They wanted a Marvel type of script. Um, they took DC characters who didn't do Marvelish things and made them do Marvelish things. Um, they had Marvel banter. They had you know everything. Suicide. The new Suicide Squad. One of them's called Suicide Squad. One is the Suicide Squad, and I forget which is which. But the Gun Suicide Squad is basically a Marvel movie with DC characters in it. So I think that's what they're looking at. Did this work? Do we want to go this route? And I think the Gun um, Suicide Squad and the Emancipation of Harley Quinn were different in their use of color. So they're visually different from the rest of DC, and then they're also kind of different in uh, superhero movies right now. So they can kind of get a foot in the door, but they're just going to be chasing Marvel for the next 10 or 20 years. Marvel has made this extended universe that's just crazy. Like, we can sit down and watch What If, and it's a little half-hour animated show, and we're already so oriented in that universe, that even if we're just a casual Marvel fan, we know exactly where we are, what's different, who's supposed to be where and who's not. So to have be, to have created something like that is quite an achievement. They didn't do it overnight. So DC is still not even to that point yet. 
So, you know, they haven't had their Iron Man film that has kind of kicked off a shared universe like that. And we've said it before, too, about Universal. They wanted to create the dark universe. They still haven't gotten their initial movie that really kicked it off that people bought into yet. They keep rebooting and trying, and it's just not working. A lot of it is writing. A big part of it is casting. You know, they didn't have to have uh, Camille Nanjani in this part, but they did. And why not? Why isn't the Marvel Universe browner than it is? So, um, yeah, I'm I'm all for this. I was we were binging some Marvel stuff this weekend. I just felt like it, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, why is everything happening in America, mostly New York? Why isn't it happening in Australia? Why isn't it happening in, you know, Europe? Or why isn't it in Asia? So few of the characters are coming from anywhere other than America. It's just, I'm kind of over that. So I'm ready for Eternals. I'm certainly ready for Shang-Chi. I wish they were streaming it because I'm not going to a movie theater for it. But exactly. uh, it's exactly the kind of movie I want, to. I love a kung fu movie. I love something that's so different and so interesting. I've been waiting for them to do something with the Ten Rings since Iron Man 3 when they had it and didn't do anything with it. And they <laughs> whitewashed the Mandarin. So, yes, yeah, and, and 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 he wasn't even really the Mandarin. No, he's like but, a stunt <laughs> Yeah. So, and there's a very good short now on Disney Plus. Um, it's an older short. I guess it was released on the Iron Man three um, Blu-ray uh, called I want to say something about the King, and it's him and his prison life after he was arrested for his part in the Mandarin scandal. And it's 14 minutes, it's very funny, and it's also very shocking, and it's good if you want to watch something real quick and you have Disney+. Plus. Uh, and it's also uh, being kind of in their banner across the top where they put their new stuff. So, But anyway, it, it's just, you know, the world is a place full of people of all skin tones from all over the globe. Our media needs to reflect that, and that includes our fictions and our film. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of Chadwick Boseman passing, and so this weekend, me, my kids, actually, my son was watching a little bit of Black Panther, and we're going to kind of go through it, and Marvel tweeted out, you know, something to the effect of missing their friend as rich and their king. Like, mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman, to me, as far as, like, even my son, at the time he was three, and he said, wow, he's brown like you, Dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it, that's the first thing that stood out. Like, this was our superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, our guy. This was is our guy. Like, when he walks through Black Panther, when you see him and injured in the scene, you're like, oh, okay. This is, this is what we're finna do. And it was a moment where, for the longest time, there were no black superheroes. Like I said, I grew up, you and I are 70s kids. I remember watching Super Friends and having Black black Vulcan, some dude who run around and draws in no pants, like yep. the ability for lightning. And just, he was like a kind of shoehorned, a black guy in there. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was good to see it, and 
I still will always appreciate Marvel for not recasting Black Panther. Like, there's one. There's only going to be one. And I do remember, one of the things I do remember when Black Panther came out, majority of people were happy. Do you know who weren't happy? White dudes. They had an issue. This is the worst This is the worst Marvel movie ever. I wonder why. Yeah. It was the worst Marvel movie until Captain Marvel came out. Exactly. Because then, uh-oh, you can't have a black guy. You can't have a woman be a superhero. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is toxic about the whole comic culture is the incel population of white guys who don't, don't really know how to stay in their lanes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that will improve over time? I do because I'm seeing less of it. And when I do see it, there are a lot of people who jump in and tell them to you know, sit down, be quiet, stay in your lane. No one's interested in your opinion. And for the most part, what I can see is people who are younger, who are, they're just accepting, you know, hey, there's a black superhero. Hey, there's a black Spider-Man. Hey, there's, you know, whatever is non-cis, hetero, white, male, they're accepting of it. And the voice of, you know, well, we, we can't enjoy this unless it's a, unless it's a cis hetero white male main character. There are too many people in this world who don't want that. I mean, I honestly, you know, I'm fine with with my white hetero heroes. I, I'll sit and watch Winter Soldier like I did yesterday, but I also want to watch Black Panther, and I also want to watch Captain Marvel, and I also want to watch Eternals. I want to see a variety of people doing a variety of things, or else it's boring. And, and it's not political to say we have to have a black superhero. It's just reflective of culture. And one of the things that always gets me is, for example, someone will say, um, well, you know, you have an integrated army in Captain America, so it's not realistic. This is a fictional world where a guy is a super soldier. You can make the truth of that world anything you want. If you want an integrated army for World War II, you've got it. So we're just going to accept that this is what happens in this world and we're going to move on. And if you want to sit there in your chair and with your arms folded and say, well, you can't have a black soldier side by side with Captain America, then that can be the sad world you live in. I live in the world where this guy's here. That's the part where it's, you know, it's it's one of those things that they have to be better with. It's Marvel, like I said, it's, it's a universe. It's a, it's a complete universe and people tend to fail that or fail at that but one of the last things we talked about is yesterday marked michael jackson's birthday what is your best and worst michael jackson song best and worst song well um for the best songs i would have to go along the lines of billy jean beat it um, I even like Bad, because I like that video, and I like Weird Al's Fat is my favorite Weird Al song. I like those. Um, I also like Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. That's a good one, some of that earlier stuff. Um, the worst, he got kind of pandery there toward the end. Um, like, you know, I just want hope and love and everything for everybody and didn't make dance music, and I always thought his forte was the dance music. And so, you know, something along, oh, I can't think of the the name of the song but i can hear it in my head he did these slower you know why can't we all just be better people one world kind of songs they just don't do anything for me and it could just be because it was later in his career and other things were kind of 
tainting the way that I was listening to him. So, you know, that could be a part of it too. But I like that early dance stuff, like, you know, the Bad Album, the Thriller Album, and, you know, in there. I had Thriller. My mother was racist and didn't want me having music by a black artist, but she allowed Michael Jackson, so I had the Thriller album. And I listened to that quite a lot, so. And his best got to be, oh, I guess Off the Wall would be his best, Mm -hmm. his worst. Like you said, like at the end, it was just, it was too much. It was too, let's hold hands and kind of sit there when Michael Jackson, when you normally hear Michael Jackson, it is get up and dance time. And that's the part that people don't understand. Like, you know, you need to move. You need to kind of get it moving. And it just became, eh, fine. Like, it tells all greatly. But before we head out, can you tell people where they can interact with you on social media? My handle is the same everywhere you go, and I'm on just about everything. And my handle is Edenza, E-D-E-N-Z-A. You can find us wherever you find quality podcasts. You can find me at T-Bix Tequila on Twitter. My name on Facebook. This has been another episode of the Black Today Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And also remember, if you are one to swipe content or tweet from someone, the app button works. Mm-hmm.